This is Seattle's Morning News. Dave Ross with Colleen O'Brien and Chris Sullivan. There's a lot of anger out there, and sometimes that means that politicians get threatening voicemails. The question is, when do the threats go too far? I'm going to play for you a clip of a threatening phone call that was made to the Vermont Secretary of State December 1st after the election. And I'm going to play, I'm not going to play the whole thing. A lot of it is pretty violent, but I'll, here's an excerpt that gives you a taste of the point the guy was trying to make. Do you realize there's a reason we just brought back the firing squad? No more painless lethal injection. From now on, the firing squad or poison gas. Your days are numbered. Now that sounds pretty scary to me. And yet he has not been prosecuted. So the question comes up, when is a threatening phone call worthy of prosecution? Let's call in former state attorney general Rob McKenna, our conversation sponsored by Madrona Financial Services. Now, you have to admit that if if you were to get a phone call like this, if I were to get a phone call like this, we'd find it pretty frightening. Absolutely. Any reasonable person would feel threatened by that kind of language. So why is this not being prosecuted? Well, in Vermont, they have particularly strong protection for free speech. So this is this is considered then protected speech. In Vermont, this state attorney believes it is. Other experts disagree. Uh, I think what the state attorney is really saying is is not that he believes it should be protected speech, but that he doesn't think he can get a conviction. It usually comes down to proof. Can we prove that the threat was imminent? Can we prove that the person had the capability to, to carry it out? So every time, you know, for example, when I was in office and I received the death threat, uh, as all self-respecting state officials do from time to time, I yeah. mean, if you're not being threatened, you're not doing right, your you're job. Right, you're not doing your job. Right, yeah. right. But, um, you know, the, the state patrol would conduct a threat assessment. And if the assessment came back saying, look, this person is not real, a real threat, you're not going to seek a prosecution there because you probably won't win. Now, I will point out, Dave, that in some jurisdictions, they've they've decided enough is enough. For example, in Michigan, two people have been charged with making threats against Michigan public officials, including Senator Debbie Stabenow. They've gone after an individual who threatened health officials over a mask mandate. She's actually been bound over for trial for making a false report or threat of terrorism. Uh, so, there are some jurisdictions which are now saying, you know, we've had it. We're going to start prosecuting. We'll have to wait and see if they actually achieve convictions. Does it make a difference when the official being threatened is the person in charge of elections? Because this could conceivably be part of a concerted effort, once again, to instill fear in the people we rely on for continuity of government. Well, theoretically, you could, if you could put the evidence together, you could go after one or more people for conspiracy if you could prove that they were engaged in a conspiracy to uh, intimidate or obstruct uh, a public official, an an elections official, in your example, to prevent them from doing their job. Mm -hmm. There are specific state statutes that uh, criminalize attempts to intimidate, hinder, or obstruct a public officer or public employee or peace officer in the discharge of his or her official duties. This is the type of statute that they're using in Michigan, for example, the, the violations amount to misdemeanors, but Michigan misdemeanors can be punishable by imprisonment of up to two years in Michigan and a fine of a thousand dollars or both. So, you know, that I think just just prosecution, or even if it's for a misdemeanor, might have a, a deterrent effect. What if the guy had said uh, on election night, Mr. Secretary of State, the Republicans had better win. If they don't, I know where you live. 
click? Highly unlikely to result in a, a charge or or a conviction if there were a charge. And that's because that threat just isn't specific enough. Mm-hmm. So I, I went and looked at the Washington jury pattern instructions, which are put out by the state Supreme Court to for use by trial courts to instruct juries. The, the state statutes provide a definition of threat, which is to communicate directly or indirectly the intent immediately to use force against any person who is present at the time, right? So the intent to immediately use force, that's a fairly high standard. One one uh, story I read about was uh, a fellow who was making uh, serious sounding threats against election officials in another state. Uh, and he expressed surprise that someone might charge him. And he hasn't been charged because he said, oh, I was just trolling them. Uh-huh. And, you know, he might, he might be right. It may be that standards of decent behavior have been so debased in America that you can say all kinds of outrageous things online or maybe even in a voicemail and should just expect people not to think, you know, it's it's a real threat. Yet that's not what the law says. Uh, but the law says you have to have more than just a scary sounding threat. There, there has to be an intent immediately to use force in Washington state under this one particular statute. And that's not an easy standard to meet. And yet, if you said something like this, say, at a TSA checkpoint, you're not going to make your plane. <laughs> That's right. And I also think, frankly, Dave, that context matters a lot. So that's going to be taken very, very seriously because, of course, we've had a great violence committed at airports, on airplanes, using airplanes, and so forth. So context matters as well. Yeah. But at some point, okay, people can claim to be trolls, but uh, sometimes when people show you who they are, you ought to believe them. You know, Reuters reported uh, that they've documented nearly 800 intimidating messages to election officials in 12 different states coming out of the uh, last presidential election, including, according to Reuters, more than 100 that could warrant prosecution, according to the legal experts they uh, consulted. And yet there there have been very few uh, arrests and no convictions so far. I'd like to see that change. And, uh, and I'll tell you why. And you and I have talked about this concept before. You know, some people call it the broken window theory. But, you know, you have to enforce the law if you want people to take it seriously. And I agree with you that in the absence, pretty much the complete absence of arrests uh, and convictions and sentencing, um, people aren't afraid. Uh, of making really nasty threats. And yet the people who are on the receiving end of those threats, people who didn't run for office like I did and kind of expect that kind of thing to happen, especially as the state's you know top law enforcement officer, people who are hired to work on elections, they don't expect that kind of treatment and they shouldn't have to put up with it. And law enforcement and the judicial system shouldn't tolerate it either. Former State Attorney General Rob McKenna. Rob, thanks very much. Thanks, Dave.